Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Glad you're with us. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody. The entire crew is here. Jacob Swanson manning the cameras. We've got David Reed, the chairman of the board. Dylan Taylor, the great production assistant. John McClain joins us live in studio in an hour. Right now, we lead off the hour with Brent Hubs. VolQuest.com. We don't have him yet. Okay. I'll start. We'll go to him in a sec. Yes, we will get that ready. start five yards. Bobby Carpenter will join us uh, in about 20 minutes. Looking forward to that conversation. Bobby, um, I know Paul read it as well, but great piece at OutKick on Big Ten games and his, his best bets. Pretty intriguing weekend in the Big Ten. Wisconsin can all but wrap up the Big Ten West if they beat Nebraska this weekend. Um, I, I think that has a chance to be a sneaky, close game. Um, we'll see how uh, Nebraska responds after half of their coaching staff got the axe. Okay. Uh, maybe, hopefully, a little bit better than Florida responded to their defensive coordinator. Have they not played one since? Being fired. But, I mean, all eyes in the Big Ten will be on. No, they were off last week. All eyes will be on Michigan State and Ohio State. I, I, I mean, I certainly like the way the Big Ten has all these games at the end and it amounts to all these games it's a very playoffy feel before their championship game which is terrific well next week i mean this is i laid it out earlier this is a good week outside of the sec in college football next week is a great week everywhere i mean that final week of the regular season when you get those natural annual rivalry games being played it's it's terrific we are about to go to brent hubs uh quickly though i'll tell you who's not playing for the titans this week everybody that was hurt Nate Davis is out. Bud Dupree is ruled out. Also, David Long, Jeremy McNichols, and Rashawn Evans are out. Greg Maben, uh, the corner, is out with an ankle issue. And Jeff Swain is out with a concussion. Does Dylan, the question that comes out of that, does Dylan Radins start for Nate Davis? I, I, I mean, that's as opposed to Brewer, right? That, it's going to be Brewer. Yeah. Jack Rabbit Jenkins, by the way, questionable. They've essentially said what they think about Dylan Radins for this year, at least, already. We say hello to Brent Hubs, VolQuest.com, who joins us uh, on the road prior to tomorrow's kickoff against South Alabama. Brent, hope you're doing well. I am. Hope you guys are doing well. Doing great, Brent. It seems the message from Josh Heupel all week has been stay focused. Go out, play well like you have, and things will be okay. But there's also been an emphasis on it's not going to be the same atmosphere that you've grown accustomed to in the last two home <laughs> games. What have you taken from that message, and, and what do you, how do you think the team has responded so far this week? Well, I think this team's had a good week. I think this team has learned how to practice throughout the year. I think Josh Heupel's message is create your own energy. Don't, don't be – don't be a group that's looking for something to get you going, get yourself going. And he believes that one of the benefits of practicing in the morning time is that you have to be a self-starter to practice that early in the day. And uh, he thinks his team's going to be fine, likes the week that they've had. Uh, but I think his message to them is don't wait for somebody else to create energy for you, create energy for yourself 
and, and get yourself ready to go out of the gate. Th- this team has scored 148 points in the first quarter of 10 football games this season. They've not had a problem getting going. So I would not ex- anticipate that, that being an issue Saturday night, although it's going to be in the 30s and cold and certainly not going to be a packed house. I understand the energy thing entirely. But frankly, how much energy? I, I mean, they don't need lightning bolts thrown around for this game, do they? Uh, no, I mean, look, they're better than South Alabama. South Alabama, without Jake Bentley at quarterback, is trying to find themselves offensively. Uh, they've got a really good receiver who's had back-to-back thousand-yard thousand-yard seasons. Who's heading to the Senior Bowl? Uh, you know, I think they've created. 17 or 18 turnovers. They've got 22 or 24 sacks. So they can be disruptive, um, but but they should not be disruptive against Tennessee. And, and I think Tennessee will come out and, and be ready to go. And I think Tennessee will attack them very early and should take care of business out of the gate very quickly. Well, and you mentioned Jake Bentley being out. I think Tennessee fans were excited to try to exact some revenge on Jake Bentley uh, for his time at South Carolina. They're not going to get that chance. What exactly is South Alabama offensively now that they've gone to the backup quarterback? And when you look at some of the injury issues for Tennessee, is there a, a, a spot where you're a little bit concerned about where South Alabama is strong and it might affect Tennessee where they're weak right now with some guys out? Well, I think from an injury standpoint, the only thing Tennessee is really – I mean, Tennessee is going to be missing Tyon Evans, but I didn't expect him to play. I don't know that Tyon will play the rest of the season. Javante Payton I do not expect to play. So I think you probably will see a little bit more tight end action than what you've seen uh, the last few weeks when they've gone to that three-wide receiver uh, set up. I think you'll see them with more tight end involvement. We saw that last week. The tight ends had six targets in that game last week. Uh, they had not had more than three targets in a game in, in about a month, uh, really since the Florida game. But once Peyton went out, they went a little more tight and heavy. So I think you'll see that. South Alabama with Trotter as the quarterback uh, is an experienced guy. His legs are a factor. That's a concern for Tennessee, obviously. And, and I think your biggest concern is them just making a kind of a backyard football play on you. You, you just cannot allow that to happen. Tennessee is um, every quarterback they played, with the exception of two, has finished the game with positive rushing yards, uh, which is not a good sign because Tennessee's got 20 sacks this season. Uh, they've had, they've let too many quarterbacks run around on them. That that would be my biggest concern. Just don't let them make a bunch of backyard football plays that way. How healthy is Jabari Small going into this game? And is this a great opportunity for him without Tyon Evans the rest of the way, especially these next couple of weeks if he can stay healthy? Well, I mean, I, I think we've seen, you know, the, the, the thing about Jabari Small is they've got great trust in him. I mean, he's starting ahead of Tyon Evans uh, and, and has really all year long, even though I, I don't think he's the more talented guy. He's been the more consistent guy. We saw the play he made at Kentucky with the dead leg for the touchdown. He's just got to stay healthy, and I think that's the biggest thing. I do think you'll see Tennessee be a little bit more committed to the run this game than we've seen. And when I say committed to the run, committed to running the ball with the running backs, not just with Hendon Hooker. So I think if he can stay healthy, he's going to get more carries. I think you'll see Jalen Wright get more carries as well. Beyond that, it'll be interesting to see if they play anybody else. Where's Marcus Pierce? He's not played in several weeks. Laneith Whitehead's not been a factor for a while. Um, do they go with a guy like Deep Beckwith who hasn't played all year long? Or is it really just a, a kind of a two-quarterback or two-running-back deal with, with Small and Jalen Wright as being the only two guys? You think we see Evans even for Vanderbilt or maybe shut down until a bowl? 
I don't know what, uh, I don't know. Um, you, you know, this guy, he's been dealing with an ankle sprain since the South Carolina game. He's had a hard time pushing off on it. He's not been able to practice this week. It doesn't feel like that, that he's going to be back. To me, it doesn't feel like he's going to be back to Vanderbilt. It doesn't sound like he was close to playing this week because he's essentially done little to nothing on the practice field. That would lean me more towards him being back for the bowl game uh, and, and not back for the Vanderbilt game next week, but we'll see. Brent, I think a good testament to Josh Heupel this year is Ramel Keaton. You know, the guy doesn't have a catch, I think, since the Tennessee Tech game, and he's put into a tough spot against Georgia, the number one team in the country, uh, when Javante Payton goes down, and he plays well. You know, He didn't quit on the season. He kept working, and he found his way back into the rotation and did well. What do you make of, of Ramel Keaton and maybe what he could become in this offense? What does the Payton injury do for him and a guy like Jalen Hyatt now moving forward? Well, I, I think for, for Keaton, it's just going to give him snaps because he, he will step in as he did um, against Georgia and play that outside receiver spot unless Tennessee decides to play Jalen Hyatt at the slot and slide Bayless Jones back outside where he started the year, which is certainly a possibility. Hyatt's not an outside guy. He, he's just not an outside guy in this offense. I think press man coverage bothers him from a physical standpoint. He gets ridden out of bounds. He likes that off coverage in the slot to free him up and give him a better chance to get open. So Hyatt's going to play in the slot. Now, does he platoon with Valus Jones or do they slide Valus Jones outside? If they do, then that's probably less snaps for Keaton. But Keaton's certainly going to get his opportunities. You know, Ramel's done some good things. He's had some flashes in his career where he's like, okay, maybe it's all starting to come together. We'll see if he can build off of last week which he should be able to after the five catches he got. I thought he made one real mistake. I thought the deep ball that he could not get his hands on, he looked for that ball too early. He, he ran with his head turned back towards the quarterback for too many yards. If you put your head down and keep running there and look a little later, that's probably a catch. Although I'll say this, Hendon Hooker and Ramel Keaton probably hadn't thrown a lot of those on the practice field. And if that's Javante Payton, that's a catch there. Uh, but it was just overthrown for Ramel Keaton. But give Keaton credit. Listen. In a day and age where everybody's jumping in the portal, everybody's bailing three games into the season because I'm not playing or whatever, that, that's not been the case with Ramel Keaton at all. He has stayed the course. He's continued to work, wait on his opportunities, got it last week and capitalized. I think he's had a pretty solid week this week on the practice field. We'll see how he can capitalize these next couple of weeks. Saw so you guys uh, said it's feeling more like Music City or Duke's Mayo for the bowl. Any any further sense of who would be the opponent in those two? No, I, I mean, I, you know, I just think that the bowl thing is just really crazy right now um, in, in terms of trying to figure out not not an opponent, but even where it's going. I, I know the, the Music City Bowl wants Tennessee really badly. I think I think the Duke's Mayo Bowl would like the opportunity for Tennessee if they could if they could get them because it'd give them a good matchup. What we don't know: how many teams from the SEC are going to make the playoff? What does the New York New Year's New Year's Six look like? And what does the rest of this conference do these next couple of weeks with some games? I mean, Tennessee could be even more attractive in two weeks as a bowl team if they win their next two versus say Mississippi State drops one to Ole Miss at the end of the year. Where, where, where are they? What, what happens with A&M down the stretch here? So what some of these teams look like and how attractive they are to some bowls will be interesting. If Tennessee can win their next two, I think the bowl executives are going to feel like Tennessee is one of the better takes out of the SEC 
um, for a non-New Year's Six Bowl, but because the fan base is going to be fired up and ready to play. I think Nashville certainly wants them, certainly Charlotte. The Liberty Bowl would like them. I don't think the Liberty Bowl is going to end up with Tennessee. The one mystery is the Tax Slayer Bowl in Jacksonville. They were at the Tennessee game last week. They weren't there to see Georgia. I can promise you that. <laughs> so, um, you know, maybe if things fell the right way, that could be a possibility when you look at who's been there recently. I mean, Kentucky was there a year ago. But, again, how many teams make the playoff and what does that New Year's Six team look like? And, and that'll shuffle out a lot of things with this bowl season. I, I really want to see them play Clemson for some reason, Brent. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that a lot of Tennessee fans do. If, the, if you could get that matchup in Charlotte, th then I think that's one that a lot of people would like to see. Um, fans, um, certainly Charlotte would. I think it would attract a lot of people. You know, what do you look like in, in Nashville? Uh, I, I think anytime Nashville has an opportunity to get Tennessee, they, they would like to capitalize on that opportunity. No offense to their Big Ten tie-in. How attractive is that bowl game to some of those schools? So I, I think that, you know, Clemson, to me, from a from an opponent standpoint, Clemson's the most intriguing matchup potentially out there. Uh, if that could come about, we'll see what happens. Big weekend for the basketball team, Brent. The Villanova, number five in the country uh, tomorrow. And then Sunday, they're going to get North Carolina or Purdue, two top 20 teams also. Feels like a split would be pretty nice if Tennessee could come out of this uh, this weekend winning one of those two. Uh, what do you think about this opportunity in the early season that's ahead of the Vols? Well, I think for all these teams, it's a filling out weekend. You know, you're going to get exposed in some areas. All, all these teams are, right? I mean, Villanova's played UCLA. That's a, that's a, that was a good ball game, really well played. Uh, they've been a little more tested than everybody else has. Uh, so who gets exposed in what areas? I think for Tennessee, the biggest question mark is what's that post-defense look like? How well do they defend? How well can they protect the rim and rebound the basketball? You know, Villanova can certainly shoot it. Uh, they've shown that. Tennessee's shown the ability to shoot it. I think a lot of people are going to find out it's hard to keep Kennedy Chandler in front of you, and uh, Villanova will get a test of that. So I think Tennessee's got some things they can surprise some people with. There'll be some things Tennessee gets exposed in on the defensive end, and, and we'll see what comes from there. I think a split would be – everybody would be happy with a split and, and go to the house. Um, and, and look, if you're playing your best basketball in November, you're in bad shape and Tennessee's not, they got a lot of room to grow and this is a weekend to grow. And, and some of that may be by learning some tough lessons on the defensive end for sure. Hubbard, thank you, man. We appreciate the quick hit and uh, enjoy the weekend. We'll be listening tomorrow. Great stuff. All right. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. All right. Brent hubs, ballquest.com has been our guest. One of our favorites, Bobby Carpenter coming up. Chad, is he your rival now? Well, where we're going to find out. He uh, took my spot for one week on Outkick the Tailgate. Yeah, he may take mine tomorrow. Uh, I just don't want it to come to physical blows. I think if that's the case. <laughs> Shouldn't Jill be the decider on this? No. No. <laughs> Chad and I are a package deal. Yeah, that's right. We've made that known. If uh, I'm like um, Jimmy Chitwood when they were going to fire Normandale. If coach goes, I go. If coach stays, I stay. That's, that's my take with Hutton. Hutton says the same about me. So This it's is not Nebraska alignment. or Florida. I will bow to no staff changes to keep my job. It's also not like Learfield Sports, who bow to the Big 12. <laughs> we make our own personnel decisions here, and we're not going to bow to any conference. Big 10, Big 12, SEC, or otherwise. Admirable all around.
So uh, before we get to uh, Bobby Carpenter, my two upset picks are taking some blows right now. <laughs> they are, first, Cooper. Yeah, yeah, they're getting punched in the face, but they're still standing. They're still standing. I stand by them. Well, you made the best. So, oh, Amari, <laughs> yeah, Amari Cooper is out with COVID. Alvin Kamara, who has practiced this week, has already been ruled out. Oh. He returned to practice, and he's not going to play for the Saints. So the Saints have no weapons again. It's not like Philly's loaded. This is tough. <laughs> this is tough. <laughs> Tough news for the bets. We're going to win. I Don't be rash, Chad. You make the bets right away. I wait. Uh, I could cash out right now. <laughs> they they let, you, I let you get it right back you if you that. want to. Hutton's not, not. I'm not backing out. No. Also, he can't Saints. back out. Yeah, Saints and Cowboys to win outright this weekend. Bobby Carpenter, former Cowboy, joins us next on Outkick 360. And my picks get worse. Who else Outkick got Outkick 360 rolls on. Alva Kamara and both starting offensive tackles Whoa. are out for the Saints. Man. I, I still. You know what? I'm still winning. I, I mean, they didn't come. This is typical Sean Payton. Backs against the wall. He's ready to roll. This is a win. I believe in clear, you, Saints. Clear win they for the Saints. I believe in you. They came to taking the Titans to overtime. Line the Titans in the weeds. far better. <laughs> it's perfect. Far <laughs> better. They have set the trap. <laughs> <laughs> trap has been set. Saints roll in this game. I feel it. Bobby Carpenter uh, set the trap to take Chad's spot and outkick the tailgate last week. Uh, but, Chad, you're back. Hey, look I into that back. camera. Look into that camera, and you tell Bobby that you're back this week. Bobby, my friend, I'm back. <laughs> you're out. I'm, I'm back this week. I did like the coat that you wore in Knoxville. I've watched a little bit of the show. Yeah. Uh, you were really ready for uh, you know a Columbus, Ohio guy that's used to the cold. You're, you were fully prepared. For a chilly morning in Knoxville, I noticed. Yeah, it was a little chilly there. And thanks for having me on again, Chad. You know, it, it's just going to be interesting, Chad, if, if you're worried at all about trying to live up to the lofty expectations of what the show was able to do last week. I, <laughs> I really think it probably went to some new heights. And so it might be difficult for you. But listen, just stay within yourself. Don't try to press too much. Don't try to force the issue. And I'm sure it'll just come to you naturally again. Bobby, I've seen you do pull-ups uh, on Instagram, so I'm not going to be challenging you any, anywhere with any workout videos or anything. I can tell you that. And I'm also very confident because Hutton stated earlier, we're a package deal. So they'd have to replace two hosts uh, if you came in for me. So that's good news for me is that Hutton and I are negotiating together, yeah. which is great. You know what's you know what's amazing is I, I don't. They always say there's no loyalty among thieves. I, I don't. I didn't get that sense from Hutton. He had told me something completely <laughs> yeah, different. So it, yeah, it was weird touching your leg the same way I touched Chad's yeah, uh, on the air. Yeah, and and I'm sure that Bobby's was both thicker and more muscular <laughs> than my leg also, which is another just that wasn't for his me. leg. Oh hey, yeah, uh, uh, hey I'm, I'm gonna segue oh. out of that now with this. Speaking of loyalty, <laughs> will Mel Tucker be loyal to Michigan State? Is this going to happen where he's going to re-up with the Spartans? Is this the right move for Mel Tucker right now, or should he be exploring these other options? Yeah, so what's, what's interesting now, and you guys understand this, living in the South and being part of the SEC, you know, Jimmy Sexton's been kind of the power broker agent there for a long time, and I think this is now the Big Ten's introduction to Jimmy Sexton and what he's bringing to the table. Uh, you know, James Franklin just hired him. I didn't realize Mel Tucker... You know, he was his agent as well. And when I heard these numbers come out, and I'm like, well, that sounds about right. I mean, if you're getting a Jimbo Fisher-style deal, you know, the, the decade-long deal, nine and a half reportedly per year, I mean, that's, that's $95 million. And they always say you want to secure the bag. Gentlemen, that, that's not just the bag. I mean, that, that is a, a group of bags. Like, you have to have multiple bags to get that. And, 
you know, in all fairness to Mel Tucker, you know, he's coached a lot of places. He's coached Ohio State, LSU, Michigan State, was in the NFL for a decade, Bama, Georgia. He came in and said he thought Michigan State was a destination job. And if you look at all the jobs that are open this year, heck, there, there was 10% of college football coaches have already turned over or are going to. And that's not even to say who could potentially get fired here by the end of the season. So 13 jobs had already opened up or flipped over. And I think Michigan State's looking at this and some of their boosters are saying, we're in a pretty good spot. We've beaten Michigan you know, 10 out of the last 14 years. We've knocked off Ohio State a couple of times with Mark D'Antonio. You know, Mel Tucker looks to have this thing pointed in the right direction. He was able to get it done in the transfer portal, convert those into wins. And so whether they beat Ohio State on Saturday or not, you know, I, don't, I don't think that that's the be-all, end-all for this. They want to make sure that they're going to be relevant and relevant moving forward and being able to make sure that, you know, in their mind, they're the, you know, competing for titles in the Big Ten East with Ohio State and, and not even worrying about Michigan. So I think it's the right move for them. And I think that Mel Tucker ultimately does stay. I mean, you know, there's LSU out there. There's USC out there. Heck, Florida might even be open. But I, I don't know if any of them would give this type of cash to a coach. You know, he's been there for two years. And I think there's probably probably a little bit of a kicker in there to try to keep him as opposed to letting him see the open market. Bobby, how how do they match up against Ohio State tomorrow? And can they pull the upset? You know, I think it's uh, it's a tough matchup for Michigan State. You know, you go to the old boxing adage where styles make fights. And I think when you look at this, this is a, it's a rough matchup because where Ohio State's really good is in the passing game. And they've got an elite number of receivers. They may have 3,000-yard receivers that, all three of those guys will probably eventually be first or second round draft picks. And you're looking at a Michigan state squad that is ranked 130th out of 130 in their past defense. And that's in all of FBS. Now I always say past defense. It's a little bit of a misnomer when you look at it, because when you get up and you're winning games, you're going to let teams throw their way back in it a little bit. And it's just going to take some time. So you're going to be subjected to more passing yardage than another team that's maybe losing and they're just getting the ball ran on them all the time. So they're probably not the worst defense in college football by a long stretch against the pass, but they still have some serious issues. They're banged up there. And if they can't get pressure on CJ Stroud and the numbers sitting there, you know, FanDuel's had it around 19, 19 and a half. Like I could see this thing covering and I don't want to say easily, but it's a cover that you're feeling good about in the fourth quarter. Something we've been discussing this week, I'm eager to get your take on it. Two-part two question. With all the coaching movement that is to come, how much transfer portal stuff goes with it with guys following their coaches or being kind of a package deal? And if that happens in grand scale, then how quick do we see an adjustment to the rule to negate the quote-unquote unintended consequence of programs relocating well that's it's a great thought i've never really put all that together and you see that sometimes happen in basketball with high school players i mean exactly. get the aau coach bring a couple guys on all of a sudden he's the assistant and everything's all kind of hunky-dory and to move forward this would be the first time i think you'd see it you know to a grand scale in college football and without guys sitting out yeah i mean it makes a lot of sense that that could potentially happen I don't know if there'll be a snapback, though, by the NCAA. If you look at what they've done, they've only opened up freedoms as of late. They haven't gone the other way. And so I don't know if this is you know, a two-way street. I feel like this is one way towards freedom. And so that this is the ability for them to have, have, try to ignore and, and 
not have to pay college football players or basketball or all college athletes to this point. So we'll pay them in freedom. We're going to pay them an NIL opportunity and all these different things. And hopefully that will suffice and allow this model to keep moving. But I think it is something that it's a realistic point where if you're a coach and you might be moving from school A to school B and, you know, it's a, it's a better job, but maybe, you know, the talent isn't quite there. You're talking to some of your guys. Who are the guys you want to bring? It'll be no different than potentially bringing assistance. And if you're a player who thinks you can make a level jump and go have an opportunity to play at a better school and you trust this guy and you're going with him and, you know, without probably looking at, you know, and, and fully analyzing the roster, he thinks that you might be a starter there and could potentially, you know, help your draft prospect or whatever it is, better opportunity, you name it. I think that is something that is a very real possibility and it wouldn't shock me to see happen. With, with some pretty strong numbers. I don't think it'll be some overwhelming wave, but it wouldn't shock me to see two or three, four guys, maybe even five, go with a coach who's going to do a better job that they really respect. Bobby, I know you wrote about this. Big Ten West right now, um, Nebraska, Wisconsin this week. You like the Cornhuskers' chances of keeping this thing close. Then you've got Wisconsin tied with Iowa currently. <laughs> Iowa hosting Illinois. To me, that's another game that Illinois has played uh, the upset maker so far this year. They've looked awful one week, and then they'll go and upset someone the next week. What do you make of both of those games and the race in the Big Ten West between Wisconsin and Iowa? You know, so that's very interesting right there because Illinois, and I think that that's kind of the hallmark of when you're building a, a program and you're trying to move forward is you're going to have some weeks where you look really good, and then there's some matchups that are just bad for you. You don't have all the talent, and if you have some injuries – you're not really good enough to sustain it or overcome it. You know, they beat Nebraska, you know, heck they beat Minnesota. Um, they beat Penn state, Illinois. That is, um, I don't know if they can beat Iowa because the way Iowa plays, they're very disciplined. They're very sound. They can run the football. They pass it just enough to be dangerous. We'll see how it work, plays out though, whether uh, Spencer Petrus will be back playing this week. He's been injured. Um, you know, Padilla has been in there and played pretty well, but it's always nice to have your starter back. That Iowa defense is pretty good. So I, I think they ultimately get the win and take care of business. You know, they lost to Wisconsin, and so they've got to find a way to make up a game somewhere, um, even though they're tied right now. And so they need Wisconsin, you know, for something to happen to them against Nebraska potentially. Nebraska is a nine point dog, nine and a half point dog, somewhere in there. It's moved a little bit. So there's Nebraska is a lot. What we got? Go ahead. They've lost one game all year by more than a score, and it was to Ohio State. And heck, they had a strip sack at the end of the game that could have even completely flipped the tide of that. So, you know, I like it if you're gonna if you're gonna make a wager on this and you want to get involved and get some action on it. I, I can't imagine Nebraska who has a pretty good run defense, who plays really hard, who plays tough, who's been close in every game. Imagine this thing getting stretched to ten points. To me, it's probably a field goal, four point, seven point game somewhere in there. Well, in a, a similar line in the Cincinnati SMU game, uh, Cincinnati yeah. a ten point favorite over SMU. Bobby, this is a great opportunity for Cincinnati to blow out a good team, right? I mean, if really they is. could go in and win by three or four touchdowns, that is a statement making game for Cincinnati. They really don't have any other opportunities to do so. Uh, this is pretty much it. It's SMU, and you know, for being a Group of Five school, it's a very recognizable brand. People associated with football. They've been playing good football the last couple of years, um, and I think that Luke Fickle understands that, and the players do. And listen, SMU is a good team. There, there's a chance. You know, when you looked at this at the beginning of the year, and I know SMU stumbled a little bit along the way, but they've got the chance to p potentially pull an upset. So I think they'll have Cincinnati's full attention. 
it would shock me if you don't see Cincinnati play their best game that they played in, in a number of weeks. Go out there, look crisp, look efficient, knowing that everything is beginning to come into focus for their dreams and their opportunities. They still need some help, but that help could come this weekend in the two, you know, the tune of maybe Utah beating Oregon, who is Utah's favorite in that game, by the way. So, you know, it'd be no greater shame than if, you know, they don't take care of their business. So I think that they ultimately win that game. I think they'll cover it. I don't feel great about it. I wouldn't bet it, but I think they win that game by 14 points and want to go out and try to make an impact and show the playoff committee that, Hey, you know, we are for real. This is a good team. I know we've stumbled a little bit along the way. We've never fallen down. And now we're back to where we need to be playing good football at the end of the year. Matt Jones in Kentucky is reporting that LSU uh, third party has reached out on their behalf to gauge Mark Stoops's interest in the LSU job. How much does that surprise you? Uh, and where would you put him in the list of names we've heard about? The one thing that I've heard from people that I know that are kind of connected in with LSU is that, you know, they reportedly kind of want an offensive guy, you know, that, you know, Les Miles, obviously more of a, I guess you could sit defensive guy that ran the ball playing defense. You know, they had Ed Orgeron, you know, he got good with Joe Brady and that offense flipped over, but they want more of an offensive guy to kind of, you know, when LSU has any type of a semblance of a passing game, they usually seem to win a national championship. And so they've got the athletes. They always have the running game. It's can they have the offense? So it, it doesn't shock me that they're bringing Mark Stoops into this. I thought they would go another way, but you look at some of the best coaching candidates this year, you're talking about, look at Dave Aranda. He's got experience with LSU. You look at what he did there as a DC. You look at what he did at Baylor. I mean, I think he would be a natural fit to slide in. You look at Mark Stoops. Think about this, gentlemen. Kentucky football has never really been relevant for a consistent or extended period of time. Mark Stoops hasn't at that point. I mean, you know, they played they played Georgia pretty tough for a half. You know, obviously got stretched a little bit. They'd scored 13 points. And until last week against Tennessee, no one had scored more than that. You know, they've got a good defense. They're putting guys in the NFL. It shouldn't be a surprise that Mark Stoops' name is brought up. Obviously, he's got a famous last name and his brother's a heck of a coach as well. But this this shouldn't shock anybody. And I think if they hired him, I think that that would really be a home run hire. He's already has the SEC, you know, lineage to recruiting ties. And obviously Kentucky's not LSU and there's immense pressure, but his brother was at Oklahoma. He was there with him. He understands what it's like to be in a blue blood program. And it wouldn't be some, some shock to the system by any stretch. Bobby, I get it, but he gets an automatic contract extension for seven wins at Kentucky. That's automatic. And a quarter million dollars for Two more, which I mean, he's going to get. It's a it's a very easy, cushy job at Kentucky right now for Mark Stoops. Would you like me to put your name in the hat so you could also get a raise? Because well, that's well, what's happening. And, and also, uh, let me let me carry this to another name, Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin is going to get contract extensions for seven wins. Yes, as he keeps going in the SEC West at Ole Miss, which is one of the three or four worst jobs in the SEC. And now Lane Kiffin's getting rumored at Miami and LSU. And you've it's, got Bruce Feldman having to come out and say, I, you know, I'm hearing this might happen. And th- but this is another Jimmy Sexton guy. It's race. I was going to say. Right? I mean, this is, a, this is a Jimmy Sexton client where he can just get the big raise at Ole Miss. Yeah. Or, oh, by the way, I mean, I think Lane Kiffin would probably be okay ultimately going to Miami and being the coach for a lot more money if Ole Miss isn't willing to match, right? I mean, I, I used to always say rising tides lifts all ships, but in Jimmy Sexton's case, I think it's like break the dam and flood everyone. Yep. So that it, for, it forces the water level Noah. up. <laughs> I mean, when you when you look at like 
everybody believe me. You look at Mel Tucker. If he gets that, all those coaches are looking around thinking, hey, well, who do we need to be tied to to have yes. the ability to get there? And I, I will say this, though. Like, I understand Kentucky's a cushy job. There's lower expectations. Um, you know, you're not going to get, you know, just raked over the coals. You know, if you go six and six one year, you go nine and three. Hey, everybody's patting you on the back and you've done a great job. But I, I do think that he does understand that from being at Oklahoma. I do think Lane Lane Kiffin understands those expectations should they choose you know, him to potentially be their head coach. But here's the thing. like, And this is the one thing that we get into coaching searches, and it drives me absolutely nuts, is they, they link all these guys and they go pay. Here's the, here's the, the real victor in this is the, is the consulting firms. They go and make like 250 to a half million dollars for just giving you a list of names that you already have and like taping a LinkedIn resume onto the coaches' names. Schools need to figure out what kind of coach do you want to have? And I'm not talking about offensively or defensively. I'm talking about philosophically, the personality that the coach has. Do you want a guy that's a little bit bristly like Nick Saban, a little bit bristly like an Urban Meyer? Do you want somebody or do you want somebody who's a little bit more like Lane Kiffin who is going to be spouting off a Mike Leach who maybe is going to have a lot of sound bites? Do you want somebody that's more quiet who stays behind it like Dave Aranda who isn't out you know, in front and in public? Mark Stoops is a little bit like that. So you need to understand what type of coach you want to have, what type of program you want to build. And I think all colleges would be better if they say, okay, this is the, the brand and identity that we want at blank university. This is what we've kind of always been. Maybe this is where we'd like to go. And then look at coaches and try to bring in guys and interview a smaller set, regardless of where they're at, of people that fit your, uh, fit your criteria. Because if you don't want a coach that's going to be making you know little smart comments in the media, picking at people at LSU, then you probably shouldn't hire Lane Kiffin because that's kind of what he's been the entire of his, entirety of his career. So Virginia Tech and Miami is an interesting matchup because they're matching up on the field this Saturday and they're matching up for a head coach also because it does seem that Virginia Tech made the move with Justin Fuente because they wanted to get ahead of Miami who clearly firing their AD is going to hire an AD that will then fire Manny Diaz, and then that AD will hire the next coach at, at Miami. But I'm curious just your thoughts, Bobby, on that Virginia Tech job because you go through their history, only one coach has won there, and it's Frank Beamer. And he was the coach from 1986 to 2015, and he had them as an elite program for most of that time. But you go throughout their history, that they've not been a good program except for that one coach they hire the hot name who was great at Memphis and Fuente doesn't ultimately work out. What do you see in that Virginia Tech job and maybe a direction they should head? You know, it's going to be interesting because this next hire is going to be critical because if they get it wrong, they risk of slipping back into what they were before Frank Beamer got there. And I, I put Virginia Tech in a little bit in the Florida State category where you have a legendary coach who did things at your program, at your school. Now, Beamer never won a national title. Ironically, he lost one of them to Bobby Bowden. But like Florida State was Bobby Bowden. And there's, you know, and Jimbo came in and he did a good job right afterwards, but they, they're struggling now to kind of find it and to get that thing fixed. You know, Penn State, Penn State was Joe Paterno. You know, they struggled a little bit. They found a way. Bill O'Brien did okay. James Franklin's done a pretty good job. But like these coaches who build these programs, and bring them out of, you know, we'll call it the dark ages and lead them into, you know, college football elitism. Like people get used to that. They like it. The administration likes it. You know, they, their, their enrollment goes up, their admissions go up. Everything's better about the school. 
you got to find that right next guy. And frankly, I don't know who it is. I mean, Blacksburg isn't the easiest place to recruit to. You know, there, there's a decent proximity with some talent around on the East Coast. Um, but we're so far removed now, you know, from the Frank Beamer era and Beamer ball and the special teams and Michael Vick and all that. Like, that's stuff that I remember. But the young kids, they don't remember that. So I think you have to bring in someone who understands what you're working with, has realistic expectations and an understanding, and is going to try to build this thing up. And it may take a year or two to get this thing going to where you really want it to be, but you can't miss on this next hire because you've seen it even at some of these blue blood programs. You know, you look at Texas. I mean, they've been spiraling for a while. You look at Michigan, you know, they Rich Rod and Brady Hogan, you know, Jim Harbaugh struggled, but he, he seems to have it back. But, you know, but some of these programs you miss on your second consecutive hire after, you know, a legend or a hall of famer is gone, you risk falling into college football purgatory and Virginia tech is teetering on that right now. Uh, social poll for tomorrow's outkick, the tailgate, better job, USC or LSU. How would you vote? I think it's going to depend highly on the person. Me personally, I, I'm not a guy that, that needs or craves like the big city living. And I, I frankly, the thought of living in LA is loathsome to me. Yeah. So I would probably, I would take LSU. It's going to be highly competitive. Nick Saban isn't going to live forever. Forever. I mean, he might, I think he, there's a chance he's a vampire, but I'm not. Headline, that out Bobby yet. Carpenter you predicts know. Nick Saban death. You never, you never know. <laughs> well, you never know, Bobby. Mike, I, I, I would predict thing. his immortality at this point. I thought that was the case because I thought him and Mike Krzyzewski were kind of part and parcel together. But Coach K is retiring after like 45 years of coaching and, and looking the same the entire time, by the way, not all that different from Nick Saban. So I, I think at some point in time, he will retire. The SEC West is good. I'm curious to see how the realignment will go with the addition of um, Oklahoma and Texas. But if you're looking at it from proximity to talent, desire to win, if you, when you put together a good offense there, man, you are really stinking good. Now, You've got to deal with the crazies, and that's the case at any big-time job where sure. people care a lot. Like passion, and that's I say crazy. Like that's the case at, at Bama. It's the case at Ohio State. It's the case at Michigan, you know, Florida, Texas. Like people want to win, and if you win 10 games, it's like, all right, good job. Let's go win 12 the next year. And so you've got to deal with that. But I would much rather have that and have a full stadium and have people have a high GSF. That's give-a-crap factor if you want to substitute out some words. Then if you go to USC where – yeah, there's some talent out there. Yeah, there's a lot of talent out there, to tell you the truth. You know, it's it's a big-name brand. They'll pay you a lot. You're in a big city, maybe a lot of NIL money. But does anybody really care about USC football anymore? Because I'm not seeing it. This isn't Pete Carroll with Snoop Dogg and Will Ferrell on the <laughs> sideline. Like, those days are gone. And so, in, in really, in the entirety of the Pac-12 South, I don't see anybody that cares. I talked to Brock Heward about this. It's like, the only, he said the only schools that people care about in the Pac-12 is Washington, Utah, and Oregon. They're the only ones where people consistently go to games. And so I would much rather be at a school with high expectations where people care than trying to convince people in a town like L.A. that maybe we can get to be a 10, 11, 12 win team that's competing and still nobody's showing up because it's hard to recruit to that when people go in there and see an empty coliseum. You made a hell of a case. 144 votes so far. We posted it as soon as we asked the question. 78% say LSU. Well, our following is well, absolutely going to. The, the, the SEC bias there for sure. Um, Bobby, great to see you, man. And uh, next week, of course, 
Thanksgiving, so we need to chat about moving you up a little bit in the in the week. But uh, have a great Thanksgiving, if not, and then we'll see you in Atlanta. Oh yeah, coach, we'll be ready to go, okay, ready okay. to rock. All right, head down there, and I think we already have it booked. I already sent it in. I think we might be shooting for Monday, so uh, hopefully talk about some of these big games Breaking coming news. up this week. Breaking news: yep. Bobby Carpenter on the show Monday. That's right, booking himself now. One one <laughs> stint on the tailgate show, and he books himself on our yeah. show now. I love it. Enjoyed it, Thanks, Bobby. Good to see you, man. Hey, Chad, that, that seat felt really good, buddy. I really <laughs> enjoyed sure, it. Yeah. yeah, I kept it nice and warm metal, for you. Metal folding chair. Thanks, Bobby. <laughs> Thank you. Cut him off, Jacob. Cut <laughs> <laughs> him off there. All right, good. good. Like Bobby Borat. Carpenter has been our guest. Coming up, we get into uh, the hottest seat in college football. If you don't know that seat we're about to tell you, and debate whether or not there's actually going to be a change. It's next on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 rolls on. John McClain's going to grab my chair in 15 minutes. Time to talk with uh, the man, the man in black, the general, who's covered the league for nearly 50 years. He will be here in this studio is, uh, with us at 6th of Peabody. This may be the only time that John McClain has more of a voice than Jonathan Hudson. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> a bet. John walked in and, and he goes, this is a bad time to lose your voice. I'm like, yes, yep. it is. Yes, it is. Yep. Well, with only one hour left in the week, it's pretty good. So Dan Patrick, who clearly has a very good NCAA source, says that a 12-team playoff is set for next year if they can get it approved in December. <laughs> I don't know why they wouldn't. But if they can't get it proved in Dece- approved in December, that then it won't happen until 2025. I don't know if that's just like – a TV deal or the way the games would time out for those couple years. That's a ridiculous wait. Like if it doesn't happen next year, then you have to wait till 2025. I can't see why it wouldn't happen in immediately for next year. And that's great. There's no reason for lag time. Well, there's a lot of TV implications with it because ESPN has it, I think through 2025 or 2024. So and then they pick up the do SEC. you go back and do you open it up to other networks to carry other games and just care. give just ESPN? But that that's the complicated part of this. Yeah. Or do you just hand it to ESPN at a huge discount with no, all those bonus it. games and have them carry? They're not getting bonus games. Well, I mean, they but, might get them discount. Well, I don't. Again, the I don't why know they the language. I don't know the language of the contract. They have the yeah. rights to a college football playoff. If the NCAA comes in and says. Or the playoff committee says, "Well, we're adding more teams now." There's no you way. Have rights to the, there's the no way it's so vague that it would allow them that many more games without new costs. Well, they have the right of first refusal on expansion. on expansion. So that Which that's why happily. Well, see, see, if you don't vote it through now, you're not voting it because you don't trust ESPN. But again, will they right. will they accept that happily if the added games goes to open bid, and other networks can get in on it? But the, I don't know that ESPN would. The way, would like I, the to way I remember frame everyone out. The story I remember whenever they were saying that they don't trust ESPN, Bob Bowlesby and everyone, within the details of the story, ESPN has the right of first refusal on any opening matchups that would be included into the college football playoff for the duration of their contract. So it's not like you, okay, we're going to expand and the new games go to the highest bidder. It, it, you can make a high bid, but then ESPN and ABC and Disney get the chance to match it. And the question, too, is the timing. Like, does it start earlier and end the same, or does it start around where it is now and end later? All good questions. Uh, my hope you know, would be it would start earlier. Yeah, because you, you, do you, are you timing it up against the NFL playoffs? or 
or Chad? Well, another NFL good question team? is: Will Dan Mullen survive at the end of this season? Well, do you buy the do you buy the fact that this is essentially a play in for him to keep his job? I think he needs to win the last two. Um, decisively, I, I, and then he's for sure safe, or then he might be safe. I, I think that they're going to score a ton of points, and that's going to help his cause because he just fired his defensive coordinator. So he can, they can easily say the defensive coordinator's problem. I don't think Scott Strickland wants to fire Dan Mullen. I think the guy who brought him over from Mississippi State when he was AD, there, he does not yeah. want to fire him, so they're looking for a reason to keep him. But it is I the think, hottest I think seat right now. Don't lose to Missouri or Florida State, and Dan Mullen will be fine. John McClain is next here at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Stick around. NFL Talk next on Outkick 360.